This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. Breaking news, LeBron is a Laker. We'll win a championship this year. Paul George, corner three. Yes, sir! Bryant has to put it up with the buzzer. Banks it in! <laughs> he banks in the three! And the Lakers win the game! What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Battle for LA podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Wire Networks. As usual, Tomer Zarli, your Clippers beat writer for Clutch Points here. On the other side, we got Ryan Ward. Ryan, how you doing, man? Everything good? Fan. Fantastic! How are you? <laughs> I'm, dig- I'm digging your new, your new beard, your uh, mustache. You're going like me. Huh? I'm jealous of yours, bro. I can't do that. I got. I need that black marker that you're using. It's a sharpie, like man. Very thick sharpie. Um, we we got a very special guest for you guys today. Um, Hall of Famer uh, Andy Bernstein, uh, legendary NBA photographer. You've seen his photographs everywhere. Any photograph you've seen, I'm sure. Um, he's had a hand in it at some point with the NBA, but Andy, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm really happy to be on with you guys. Thank you for asking. Um, so just to start out, how are you doing? How's your family doing with, with the whole coronavirus pandemic going through the last, I want to say four months now. I mean, uh, I know you basically are at every single, uh, NBA game. I mean, you're at a game every day, I think, right. And especially in LA. Pretty much. Um, you know, I do around a hundred games a year. Um, and with both teams, you know, we have, uh, you know, I do almost pretty much every home game. So that's like 80 something games between the two teams with preseason. And then, you know, we were going to have long playoffs, God willing, between both of them this year. And then I travel a lot. So, you know, and with this being an Olympic year, it probably would have been up to about 110, maybe 120 games. Wow. But uh, now I'm, I'm a little nervous because I haven't taken a picture in four months. So I, got, I hope I could re- remember how to do it. <laughs> question. Has it been kind of nice, though? That little time off? uh not really <laughs> no no i mean i have never been home this time of year i mean 38 mm-hmm. years doing this gig and um 
this time of year, especially, you know, April to June, I'm living on the road or I'm home, you know, God willing with the Lakers having a long run or the Clippers. Um, and, you know, sometime in like the beginning of May, my wife looked over to me, she says, uh, are you still home? Like, why are you still here? <laughs> You're never here this time of year, you know? So um, I've tried to make the best of it. And I've done a lot of work on the podcast, my Legends of Sport podcast. And uh, that's been fun. I actually was doing two podcasts a week just to keep myself busy. But we wow. had a lot of content, a lot of good stuff to talk about. And I've had my uh, interns were able to come back in about three or four weeks ago and one at a time. And they're kind of reorganizing the filing cabinets behind me with all kinds of film in there. I don't know if you guys even know what film is, but it's the old stuff we used to shoot before digital. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're, you know, we're trying to be productive and trying to be uh, optimistic. That's the most important thing. Are you, are you a guy who needs to be busy all the time considering, you know, there's summer league, there's the NBA draft, stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a word for that. It's called workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been one uh, my entire career, even going back to college. Um, you know, it wasn't enough for me just to have a college experience. I had to be working my tail off to do whatever I was doing with my photography, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and I, I do, I need to be working. I need to keep my mind active. I do know when to shut it down. My wife and kids would probably tell you otherwise, but I am able to kind of separate myself sometimes. And, and I've learned from the best on that. Kobe being one of them, I learned from him that you can, you can be the mamba, you know, when you're at work, but uh, you gotta know when to switch that thing off and, and just be dad or be, your, be the husband or whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. not obsess with it 24 hours a day. He made that change, like, I want to say, what, last season or the season before the last? Mm -hmm. Like, he flipped yeah. the switch. And I talked to Tamara about this a few times. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was amazed by it because he was yeah. so crazy focused and, like, you know, you know stone-faced most of the time. And then he turned mm -hmm. into this kind of happy-go-lucky guy who would answer every question and mm -hmm. it was all about family and what, what, yeah. what was next. I mean, that was, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think I think he saw, you know, the the end of the long journey there was coming and he was going to make the best of it. You know, he wasn't on a very good team those last couple of years. So he wanted to make the best of it. And he also saw the value of of being um, present for his family, for his wife and his kids and and being literally able to turn off that Mamba thing, you know, as soon as he crossed the threshold out of the locker room and they were there waiting for him. And, mm -hmm. and I saw it happen, you know, night after night that he was able to just sort of say, okay, guys, I'm done with the interviews. I'm done. You know, I've sort of been like Superman, put the, the cape and the costume back in the closet, you know, and <laughs> I'm just walking out with my wife and kids and just go back to some normal life here. Yeah, that was, that was a trip. It was a trip mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, for sure. We're going to get into some Kobe stuff a bit, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on the NBA bubble because mm -hmm. uh, there's just been so much unknown. There's, this is unprecedented. We don't know much about this. We don't even know if it'll work. Um, now, your personal thoughts on the Orlando bubble, on you going, I mean, do you have any personal concerns? Yeah, my biggest concern, quite honestly, is, is just getting there, um, you know, taking mm -hmm. a commercial flight. Um, my wife literally went out and bought me a hazmat suit. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. Save this for, save this for, for Halloween. I am not wearing that through LAX and on the plane. But I, uh, I'm gonna wear the visor. I'm gonna wear the mask, um, of course, and uh, gloves probably. And I'm just gonna 
kind of, you know, ball up in my seat and hope for the best. Uh, try not to breathe for five and a half hours. Um, but seriously, that's my biggest concern. I, I'm not concerned about once I get there, honestly. I, I know that as soon as I am in the van going to uh, the bubble that I'm in safe hands. And the NBA has uh, done everything they can to keep people like me, you know, the rest of the staff, all the players, coaches, um, and, you know, 100% healthy. So not, I, I'm really not concerned about that part of it. The other thing I'm concerned about is, uh, quite frankly, is being away seven weeks from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used to me being away maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks if it's an Olympic year or whatever. But this is a, that's a long chunk of time. So I'm going to take the podcast on the road, be doing it from there at Orlando. Um, and, uh, you know, I got my MBA job to do. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be busy. My mind will be uh, occupied, but just, you know, a little concerned about the family at home. Have they, have they told you anything about where you, you're going to be stationed? Is it going to be just like the norm when you, when you get in there, like uh, during games, after games? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be <clears throat> close to what we're used to because judging from what I'm seeing from my colleagues who are shooting now with the players, you know, having arrived and practicing, that there's got to be safe social distance. Um, and I think it's bigger, it's bigger than six, you know, six feet. I think it's more like 12 to 15 feet at this point. Oh, wow. And I don't see them really letting us shoot on the floor, quite honestly, because, uh, you know, we're pretty close to them. And should a guy run into us or whatever, I think they're just trying to eliminate all the contingencies, all the problems that could possibly happen. So we might have to shoot from off the court just a little bit, which would be a different experience. But this whole thing is a different experience. So <laughs> I might as well just roll right. with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us about your new series, Restarting the Clock. What, what drove you to, to start that series? Well, I've been doing the Legends of Sport podcast for three seasons, two, mm-hmm. se- two full seasons. And we went into our third season, had about 75 podcasts under our belt with uh, incredible like A-list guests. I mean, everyone from David Stern, Kobe, Magic, uh, Peter Goober. Uh, this season we had Kevin Love, Powell. Uh, Sue Bird. We had a lot of people outside of basketball. You know, we had uh, Kirk Gibson, Her- Oral Hershiser, Mike Smith, the um, Hall of Fame jockey came on two days after he won the Triple Crown. You know, we wow. had, we've had some really great guests and, um, and had great discussions. And the podcast really took a, a great leap forward when we signed up a, a co-producing and distribution deal with the LA Times. Mm-hmm. So now... <clears throat> Not only can you find the Legends of Sport podcast on Apple and Spotify and all the rest, but you can find it right on the LA Times app and on their um, uh, on their website. So that's exciting for us, and, and we get to kind of uh, you know sort of discuss our content with them. But they also can help us with booking guests, which is really important, as you guys know. That mm, uh, you've right. got to have a little bit of. A little bit of cachet behind you when you're going out and looking for guests. <laughs> and so we started this series um, to come out of the gate with our partnership with them called Restarting the Clock. So it's 16 weeks, one podcast a week, um, really centered on the whole sort of NBA, WNBA restart, the two bubbles that are going on in uh, Florida. And um, Start trying to stay true to our legends format where we're going to be bringing in legendary athletes or coaches or NBA types who can comment on the current situation, but also bring their own historical perspective in as well. Like for example, in week two, we have Gary Beatty, 
who is the legendary Lakers uh, athletic trainer, you know, and one of my best friends. But Gary can shed light on what it was like for him to, let's say, go through the HIV epidemic um, and, and all the, the safety precautions he had to take with magic and how that relates to what's going on now with COVID-19. I mean, only Gary could bring that perspective. That's and, interesting. Yeah. So that was, that was a great interview and that's coming out, you know, this week. So, um, and then journalists, friends of mine, uh, from broadcasting, from, um, podcasting, uh, from, um, newspapers and what have you, they're going to be coming on as well to give their perspectives. So, um, each week we'll have a different theme as we get closer to the conference finals and the finals will be really entrenched in, in very legendary um, conversation, you know, Magic and Bird, uh, the legendary coaches, the dynasties, the, everything that I lived through and was, were able to document over the years. So I bring my own perspective and my own history, but I'm also able to draw on my guests, which is very valuable. Do you have any uh, current, you know, people in the bubble that you plan to have as guests, like uh, any players, coaches, stuff like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. We um, – Look, if we have a conference final, God willing, with Lakers and Clippers, you know, I think we're all kind of salivating at that prospect, right? <laughs> I mean, I would love to have both coaches on. I'd love to have Coach Vogel and Coach Rivers. Um, maybe not together, you know, but have them uh, part A and part B. Um, so you got to have them, have them together. Have them it, would be, it, it would be cool to have <laughs> Stir them it up. Stir I, it up. That would be interesting. I don't know if that would happen because there's a lot of logistical things we got to no, go through. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, and I have history, you know, obviously with both franchises, but with both coaches. So that's, you know, a, a lot, a lot to talk about there. Um, there are some players, we're trying not to really draw in the pool of players as much right now, um, mm -hmm. as much as maybe assistant coaches, guys like Jason Kidd, uh, Sam Cassell. Um, oh, Sam's great. You know, guys like that who can can bring the legends um, sort of perspective, but also they're current. They're actually there doing their thing. I would love to have Chris Paul on because of his, obviously his leadership with the Players Association and my long history with him. So I have to, you know, see how it all goes. But there are a couple of coaches that were um, booking actually today uh, to come on in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Nice. I know it's tough to pick just one, but do you have a guest that you can say was sort of your favorite to have on your podcast? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, you can't beat Magic Johnson. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we were given um, a 20 minute window to interview Magic at his office. And um, at that time I was working, the podcast was on podcast one on their network. So I was working out of their studio, but Magic needed me to come to his office. So they gave us a 20 minute window from when we walked in the door to when we walked out of the door. So wow. I didn't really know how much time I'd actually have with him, you know, mm -hmm. and we get in the boardroom, um, this conference room and you know, it's beautiful and everything. And he comes in right on the dot. I remember it's 10 o'clock and it was probably 1145 and we were still talking <laughs> and nobody came, <laughs> nobody came in to pull him out and he was, Oh, he was having the, the greatest time. So we ended up getting, yeah, yeah, it was really lucky that he had no appointment after me, you know. Uh, um, so we were able to get two episodes out of Magic, which was amazing. Oh, wow. And I have reached wild. out to That's him and his, and, his, and his team, and uh, 
we're going to get him again for this um, this series because who better than Magic to talk about you know legendary rivalries and and right. uh, series and games and memories you know he's got a tremendous perspective. I had the, I had the same situation with uh, Dr. J about mm-hmm. t- two years ago. I yeah. got, his people were like, yeah, he's only got ten minutes or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I'll take anything. Next thing right. you know, we talked for like an hour. Yeah, and he just yeah. went on from story to story to story. Charles Barkley this, Moses Malone. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, and it's great. The doctor. He and I share one thing in common that we both went to UMass. <laughs> he oh, was there wow. a few years before me, but that was, that's something we've always held to. and something that, uh, you know, is a common thread. And I love that guy. He's just amazing. He's great to dude. talk to. And you talk about stories, man. He's oh, got yeah. stories up the wazoo. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I was there for his first championship in uh, 83, wasn't it? 83, 84? No, it had to be 83. 83. 84 was the Celtics. Yeah, it was 83. That was my first real finals that I covered for the NBA. And a uh, f- funny story, the, um, the Sixers win it, won the championship on the court at the Forum, as you probably remember. And uh, they had a tiny locker room for the visitors. They did the trophy presentation and I had to do a, a picture of Dr. J himself just holding the trophy. There's no place to do it. So I took him in the bathroom. <laughs> right? Really? And the picture that exists right now is, is a picture of Dr. J holding the trophy, big smile with a urinal behind him. So <laughs> I played to fame for one of my very earliest, like sort of pressurized moments that I had to produce a photo from, you know. <laughs> what, what led you to go? All right, let's just let's just go to the bathroom and take this photo. I had nowhere else to go. I mean, it was literally if if you see behind me, the visitors' locker room was like this size. It was tiny, and there's like hundreds of people in there. Mm-hmm. And I needed a moment. I mean, I needed some place to take yeah. him where I could, for thirty seconds, direct him for what I needed him to do. And we weren't around like you know a million reporters and people and champagne and everything else. So that was the only spot I could pick. That what, I had. Is it? Is it was crazy? he receptive to it? Was he receptive? Was that? He was, was great. He, he loved it. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But he's probably on cloud nine. You know that so. picture. That picture has lived on in infamy. <laughs> my career. <laughs> but the 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 size of the locker rooms uh, back then compared to now, like the Lakers locker room, it's not oh, yeah. enormous, but it's. Yeah, it's pretty big, right? Compared to like the visitors' locker room at Staples, which is yeah, for fun. sure. I mean, they um, look they they wanted to have their home teams, and you know, we got at that at, when Staples opened, we had four teams playing in Staples Center, if you included mm-hmm. um, the arena football team. So you know, they they had to make big enough locker rooms for those teams, and then have visiting locker rooms for the rest of them. I know there must be like 10 locker rooms there in the hallway down there at Staples Center. So the Clippers have redone theirs a couple of times and the Lakers just actually redid theirs last summer going into this season. Which I so think they it, actually make it smaller. I think it's a little made, smaller. Yeah, they made it a little more intimate, but they gave the guys a bigger um, training room is, mm-hmm. is bigger. Oh, okay. And I think their lounge is bigger. But the actual locker room where, you know, they actually get dressed is a teeny bit smaller. It's nicer, it's, though, I think. It's about 100 more media now, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that they, they redid the Clippers one a couple of times. And the last couple of years, yeah. it was fine. But this year, was it just felt like there was no room to move. It was, it was crazy. This yeah. Was you, there's just so much media, you know. And, yeah. uh, and the guys, you know, they sort of sequestered themselves in the training room. Now the Clippers had that little lounge that they built in their locker room. So they, right. 
guys can go in there and stuff. But, and that's important. They got to have a little bit of comfort, you know, in their locker room area. I mean, I've been in locker rooms. The, the one in Sacramento comes to mind, the old Arco Arena, where um, I'll never forget. It was a t- just, it was literally a, like a broom closet, you know. And Phil Jackson <laughs> could never find a place to just be alone. And <laughs> it was a trap door. It was like, it was literally like a four foot high trap door that he would scrunch under and then he would end up under the stands. And that's where you would find him in the folding chair, hunched oh, wow. over like this because, you know, the stands are right over his head and he's in there doing his crossword puzzle, which was his kind of way. <laughs> wow. Of unwind. wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, never heard Did he do that every time they went up to Arco? Yeah, I mean, that's the only place they could go. And the training room was literally in the locker room. Same thing in, um, I believe, in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. in Utah until they redid it in Phoenix. Um, there's a few places where there's no, like, distinct training room. Um, the trainer would put up, like, a pipe and drape, and that became the training room, you know, because wow. <laughs> the guys are supposed to have some privacy. The media is not allowed in the training mm-hmm. room area. So, um so we've kind of grown away from that a little bit, but uh, I remember the early days, like the LA sports arena was such a dump, but you know, it was a, as Springsteen used to call it, the dump that jumps, you know, it was a great place to work. <laughs> it was a great place to see a game, but if you were a participant, I don't know if I would really love it that much. <laughs> Andy, were you a big sports fan? I mean, obviously you were a sports fan growing up, but was there a particular sport you liked? Was it always basketball? No, it was never basketball. That's the crazy thing. I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, I was a huge Rangers fan, hockey fan, uh, and a Mets fan, you know. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, my dad had season tickets to the Rangers, I think, starting at nine years old. I think I went to almost every Ranger home game until I went wow. to college. And so I was a huge hockey fan, played street hockey, played you know, schoolyard basketball, football, all that stuff. But um, I was always the shortest kid. So I was never very good at basketball. And uh, it's just funny that I landed in the NBA as my sort of main gig. Although mm. the beginning of my career, I was doing a lot of things. You know, when I first started the NBA, very quickly, um, I became the Dodgers team photographer. So I was with the Dodgers mm. from 84 to 95. And that's when my NBA career was sort of, you know, getting underway and getting, you know, some reputation that's a good time period for the Dodgers too (laughs) yeah it was I mean I I joke with John Suhu who's my protege but also now has become you know legendary hall of fame quality team photographer and uh, he took over for me when I left in 95 Um, you know I I joke with John all the time that that uh, the last time the Dodgers won the series I was working for them so you know that was was 88 Wow. I mean, I want to touch a bit on, on Kobe because you have some, mm-hmm. some, some of the greatest photos of him. You, you've worked with him a lot. Uh, is, is there a, a favorite, you know, moment or conversation you had with him over the years? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, we had so many great conversations and, and it really ramped up when we started to do our book, the Mamba Mentality book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I learned so much from him. It's hard to put it into, you know, one succinct or a couple of succinct um, stories, but just watching him grow as an, as a person uh, Mm -hmm. and as an athlete. And then, uh, you know, watching that whole Mamba mentality take shape (laughs) and him become this, you know, five-time champion, MVP, leader, veteran, uh, mentor. Uh, It was just fantastic. I mean, fantastic to watch. 
Um, we did talk quite a bit when we do in the book about the, the tenets of the Mamba mentality and the fact that, you know, obsession was really at the top of the list and that he and I sort of shared an unsaid um, mutual obsession for our individual crafts. Mm-hmm. And he saw that in me and I saw that in him, you know, back when we first met. And that uh, kind of solidified our relationship for 20 years. So I was very fortunate that I was there when he came and uh, was able to document literally from day one until he, you know, Mamba out and walked out of Staples forever. He's probably one of the few legendary players that you saw from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true because when I started with the the Lakers and the NBA, Magic was in his second year, I believe. And uh, I mean, there were other athletes like Shaq. I had seen, I had photographed Shaq his whole career, but I wasn't in Orlando. I had to go to Orlando, you know, when he was there and then was at LA obviously for a while, but then, you know, I didn't see Shaq that much after he left LA. Um, but in terms of day to day documenting one athlete, it's very, very rare. I mean, you know, the three of us could sit around and maybe not think of anybody. I mean, maybe Derek Jeter is the only guy I can think of maybe who, you know, it was Tom Brady, but it's not anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, one yeah. guy that had been with one organization, his entire Hall maybe of Fame Tim career. Duncan. Tim, Tim Duncan. Duncan. That's a great example. Tim Duncan. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Or Tony Parker, Manu, those guys. Dirk. Yeah. 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 Dirk. Right. Yeah. But you know, it's a handful of guys and uh, you know, Kobe 20 years with one organization, just amazing. I don't know if we'll really ever see that again. I, don't think so. I mean, the way that the way things are now with salary cap and these guys can move around so easily and uh, you know, they kind of move to where the money is, but they also move to where the competition is at the highest. Usually um, we're not really going to see that. I don't think anymore. Well, Do you think that's good or bad for the NBA? Uh, good question. I don't know. Um, you know, if you're a fan, I think you'd want to have the best guys there for like their whole career. But you know, I'm thinking like if I was a, if I was a Raptors fan, like how would I feel with Kawhi? coming in, winning that championship, and leaving. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, really. Um, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's great now that Kawhi's in L.A., and that makes the Clippers more relevant and more of a threat to win the championship than they were maybe last year. So that is a good thing for the NBA because it sort of elevates the parity that I think the NBA likes to have, you know, without having one or two or three franchises really standing out, you know, we just lived through four solid finals, you know, after one, after the other of the Cavs and Warriors. So it's nice to have some variety. <laughs> so I think right. in that sense, it's a good thing. Um, as a fan, I don't know, maybe not such a good thing, but the fans have become used to it in every sport. Right. Right. So you can think, I don't think you can think of it. I mean, this whole thing with Tom Brady just sort of blew me away because I was, I still am a Patriots fan. I went to UMass, became a Patriots fan when I was there. And I, I never in a million years thought that he would leave. You know, I thought he'd leave, but in, ret- in retirement, but I didn't think he'd leave at his age to go play somewhere else. So that's pretty remarkable. You know? So were you, were you pissed? I wasn't pissed. I was just surprised. I mean, I, and I wish him well. And, and as a fan, just to follow up on the question, um, I'm excited to see what he could bring to Tampa Bay. You know, maybe, 
who knows? Who knows what well, you know? He's got the weapons. Yeah, he he's brought Gronk, Gronk with him, and and they were a pretty decent team before he got there. So, yeah. look, I I wish him well. I mean, somebody at his level of greatness, um, you know, it's like Gretzky. You know, Gretzky shows up in New York after this ridiculously amazing career that'll never be matched in Edmonton and L.A. He had that short stop in st louis but you know he gets to new york he has a he's basically reborn and and brings this whole the whole gretzky magic to the rangers so who knows uh, but i wish i wish brady well and uh you know lebron almost the same thing you know lebron i'm gonna say at the end of his career but he's getting towards the end of the career and look what he's able to bring to la and and the possibilities that could happen with him you know, wearing the purple and gold. So it's, it's exciting for me to have him in front of my lens all the time and for fans to, to see him. I mean, did any of us ever expect LeBron to play for the Lakers? Oh, uh, I don't think well. so. <laughs> right. Yeah. We do uh, a year in advance, but yeah. Well, the years before that. that though, it was yeah. just, you couldn't fathom it. No. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, all the pieces came together and he, there he is. And then he gets AD to, you know, be his partner in crime. And man, I mean, uh, that's a pretty dynamic duo we have here. Absolutely. <laughs> have you had a chance to sort of reflect on the changes in eras from the, from the eighties, nineties, 2000s, 2010s? And we see what's the 2020s are going to look yeah. like, but we yeah. have, we're not really there yet. Well, you know, I started in the short shorts era, so uh, <laughs> if anything, the fashion has changed quite a bit, and and everything has changed for me, tech, you know, technologically wise, you know, everything from film cameras and manual focus and exposure, and you know, to the digital age. So, but um, you know, the game still stays the game, and it's still the same. It might be a little different, might be more outside in. And then, you know, instead of inside out, as it used to be, we don't have the big centers anymore. That used to be the focal point. Um, you know, Steph Curry and, and those guys kind of changed everything in terms of uh, being an outside game, um, which is different and, and interesting. I mean, hockey, right. same thing. I grew up in an era in hockey where it was so physical, you know, and uh, the rules were a little different, too. As I remember, icing was a little bit different. Um, and, and there were fights all the time, you know, so hockey has evolved and I think it's a process and I think it's a good thing because it, uh, one era really can sort of be an individual, um, and not really have to be compared to another era. You know, those comparisons drive me crazy about, you know, <laughs> oh, could, you know, could the, the 2000 Lakers beat the 98 Bulls. I mean, who the hell? I don't know. Who do you know that? I mean, I don't know that. <laughs> but it's a different. It's a different time, and it makes for great, right. you know, great conversation for guys like us. But I enjoy each era as it comes, quite frankly, and I'm happy to be maybe the thread that continues. God willing, I'm knocking on wood that uh, I can keep recording that stuff. You brought up a great, a great point about technology changing throughout the years. How has that affected you positively or negatively, your work? I mean, I, has there been some things that you've been like, eh, I don't really like this as much, and then this you've like loved? <laughs> well, I used to love film, man. I used to love the fact that I could create something tangible, you know, something mm -hmm. I can hold in my hand, a negative or a slide or even a print that's made from, you know, a slide or a negative. And like say, I created that. 
you know, like this came out of my brain through my camera and I'm holding it in my hand. Now I can't do that. It's ones and zeros. You know, I can't hold one. I can't like pull you out of my screen and say, oh, I created this, you know. So that's a little, um, it's a little disconcerting, honestly, because I love going into these filing cabinets behind me and pulling out slide pages and reliving stuff and just, it's a tangible thing. So that's, I don't know, I'm sounding like, like a dinosaur here, but that is, that has been the biggest change. The other change of course has been the workflow in terms of, you know, back then we would shoot film and we collect all the film after a game and I drop it off at the lab or I'd have to take it to the airport and and put it on a flight that's going to go to New York or wherever. And maybe I'd never see it again Um, or go to the lab in the morning and edit the film. Um, Now it's literally instant gratification. I mean, as I shoot something, I am seeing it in my camera, in the back of my camera, but I'm also tethered through a high-speed line back to an editor at NBA Photos in New Jersey who's receiving my photos, seeing them in real time as I shoot them. And and that editor is quickly selecting, you know, selects and then uh, captioning and boom, it goes off to Getty Images and out to the world. Wow. So what's it like when you see us uh, annoying reporters coming out there with our cell phones and <laughs> capture the same shot that you're getting? Well, it's not really the same shot. It could be the same moment, but you know, <laughs> I tend same to moment, think right? that... Not apples that, to apples. Yeah, that we, we pros maybe have a little leg up technically on you guys a little bit. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just A lot because, of it. I would say a lot of it. Maybe because it's just the equipment. I don't know. But I, I personally love the fact that um, everybody has a camera, you know, in their pocket on their phone, you know, everybody in the world is a photographer now and photography used to be kind of, I don't want to say exclusive uh, craft or hobby, but it was kind of exclusive because you had to afford the camera. You had to afford uh, the dark room if you want to do black and white or film or whatever. Now it's super cheap to be a photographer and to be but don't you don't you feel like it's a, an acquired skill? Cause I see you doing it. I see mm-hmm. like Daryl for clutch sports doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Martinez. And I, they show me their camera and there's so many bells and whistles and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll just, I'll just use my phone. I'm yeah. never buying one of those things. So I just well, can't do it. it's too yeah, much. Like anything you got to You have to learn how to use the stuff. Luckily I have people around me who work with me that sort of help me through it. My son, even when my son was in high school, he was like a technical whiz. So he kind of helped me with all the computer and the workflow stuff and the programs we needed for that, but also with the digital um, equipment. And it, it was a big learning curve, quite honestly. Um, mm. I'm still learning. There's, I, you know, I have an expensive bunch of cameras and I really know, know what I need to know. I don't need to know the other like 80% of what this stuff does that I'll never use, you know, but the, but the craft has not changed. The way I approach my work has not changed since day one. So being a professional photographer, I still approach my job the same way I always did. I always, pre- I prepare the same way, you know, the, the equipment might've changed, but I still, my mindset's the same way. I, and when I'm there actually shooting, it's exactly the same as it used to be. It's just a different instrument in my hand. Do you have a favorite sort of uh, game or moment that you photographed? I know there's so many to pick from. I, it's oh, possible man. to pick one, but I'm just yeah. curious as to, to if you have a moment or a select few moments, something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you know Lakers won the championship on 
Boston Garden floor in 85. I mean, that was unbelievable. When the Dream Team won the gold medal um, in Barcelona in 92, and uh, they're up there on the on the stand and they're playing the national anthem. That was unbelievable, right? right, um, right. I would have to say uh, Kobe's last game just will always be up there um, as one of my top three moments. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, just this, you know, the, this, the storybook ending, you know, guy scores 60 points. I mean, we did, let's not forget that like three years earlier, he had the most horrific Achilles injury known mm-hmm. to man. Yeah. And, and at his age and that point in his career, I mean, how many other guys would have just kind of, you know, cashed in at that point and gone off in the sunset, but he, no way he was doing that. That, so, that, that yeah, night was like a, it was like it a was, movie. From yeah. Like, the moment he walked in. Yeah. That all those people, like as he's walking yeah. to the locker room. Yeah, I was with Every him. Every moment. I was yeah. with him from early in the morning. I went down to his place in Newport, and uh, he was there in the office. When I got there, it was about 9, 9.30. He was doing business, just like any normal day. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I went with him. I flew with him up to um, – up to downtown LA and, and was with him every second of the way until he literally walked out at the end of the night. So it was an amazing, amazing experience. I bet. Yeah. Do you allow yourself, do you have any moments where an inner fan comes out? For example, that Kobe 60 point game or when there's a, a LeBron block in the finals, did Mm -hmm. you allow a fan inside you or are you always in work mode, like locked in? No, I have to be locked in, man, because if I'm, if I, if I lose that and I cross that wall, mm-hmm. um, then I'm not doing my job. So, you know, in my business, I always like to say that if I saw the picture happen in my viewfinder, I missed the picture because the picture should be happening when the shutter is closing, right? So I shouldn't be seeing it in, in my viewfinder. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I've trained myself to just filter everything out, you know, the noise, I don't talk to anybody else like sitting next to me or anything else like that. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, super locked in. Um, a lot of people take that the wrong, you know, the wrong way, but I don't really care <laughs> because that's how I work. And, uh, you know, the younger me was very intense. Um, I, was, uh, I was kind of emotional um, just in terms of just being so like too locked in almost, you know, to the fault. So I was able to kind of learn techniques of relaxing in the moment. And I do that. I actually you know, take a breath and I learned that. I learned that from Phil Jackson. I learned it from Kobe. I mean, how many times did I see Kobe literally be meditating during the national anthem? You know, I mean, <laughs> and, and now, right. you know, you see a lot of guys doing that, but he was probably one of the first guys to do that. And, uh, you know, if he can do that um, uh, with the pressure that was on him on that stage, I think, uh, you know, I could learn that technique. So, and that's come to help me not just, you know, in my job, but in life as well. And it helps me with raising my kids and trying to get that message across that there needs to be a way to kind of bring yourself back in. Yeah. So, so you have a little basketball uh, predictions here. Do you have anything, uh, any predictions for the upcoming bubble? Assuming everything goes well and the bubble, mm. you know, carries on. Yeah, I mean, the prediction would be just to be optimistic and be uh, think positive. Um, that doesn't mean that we're not all paying attention to all the protocols and all the things that the NBA has, has had to institute. But to see these guys back on the court, you know, on social media and on mm-hmm. TV, is just like so great <laughs> and I can't wait till they start playing 
and the games actually mean something, you know, when they get to the playoffs and all that right. stuff. So prediction wise, um, you know, Howard Beck is on my uh, podcast this week um, along with Gary Vitti and Howard said, you know, th- this, in this league talent rules, you know, and you could make a case for so many teams, but I think you got to look at where the talent, where all the talent really is the most. And uh, we have two amazing, incredibly talented, talent loaded teams in LA. So to see those two teams, you know, go deep in the playoffs and God willing see a conference final would be pretty cool. Um, The East, I don't know that much about the East that I could really be a, uh, you know, prognosticator. Um, although oh, it's, I, the, it's the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn yeah. Nets are going all the way. I love the – hey, they got my boy Jamal Crawford, who I love to death. I love that <laughs> oh, guy so much. he's so great. I haven't heard it, a bad thing about Crawford. Yeah, and if the anything, guy. if anything, he'll just be a leader for that young team. So um, what a great guy, though, and uh, incredible human being. And I've known Jamal his whole career. So 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 happy that he ended up somewhere. Um, but that's going to be kind of a dog fight in the East to see who comes out of that. And the fact that no team has home court advantage, um, is interesting because, you know, they fight all year for that one through four seed, right. And Mm -hmm. then the the most elite teams are fighting for that one seed, you know, in each, each conference Mm -hmm. overall one, you know, for the league. So taking that out of the equation, it's going to be interesting. Then it really is about talent. I mean, it's not about the extraneous stuff that uh, has been part of our game for, you know, however long the NBA has been in existence. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting finish of the season playoffs. See who hoists that trophy at the end in October. Um, We'll all have stories to tell about it. And that's going to be, I think what's going to come out of this the most are the stories. Oh, I'm absolutely. I'm just, I'm also thinking about what the experience will be like with no fans because we know these guys like to talk at each other. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of mind games. You have to, mental toughness is huge. And oh, I yeah. just I just think, but what is that going to be like when, you know, if, if players miss a couple of shots, guys start talking and, you know, can you tune that out when there's no – I mean, you're, I don't know how close you're going to be, but you're probably going to be able to hear that. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to that first Clipper game I get to shoot and, and get to listen to Patrick Beverly the entire time. <laughs> I love that guy. I love to hear what he, his chatter. Reminds me of back in the day, you know, Gary Payton, Sam Cassell. I mean, mm-hmm. there were guys that just were nonstop, you know, in each other's face. So that should be interesting. It should be interesting to see how that all works, you know, and when they're not getting a reaction from the crowd, you know, a guy like Beverly loves to play to the crowd. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not going to be a crowd. So who, who knows? We'll see. Um, Andrew, do you have anything else, anything else to plug of your own? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I'd love to, you know, come full circle here and talk about the podcast, the legends of sport podcast, which you can find on all your favorite podcasts podcast platforms apple spotify anchor wherever but uh, most notably on the la times app and on their la times website so it's legends of sport and and all our social media instagram at legends of sport uh twitter legends underscore of sport and uh, our blog we have a really great blog which is legends of sport dot blog which is interactive we're posting all kinds of stuff. Every day we're posting about this day in sports history. Mm-hmm. We're posting about our, our current guests on the podcast. We have like some fantasy team stuff going on there. So that's people should really check that out. And we have uh, TikTok and YouTube channels, legends of sport on both of those. So 
check it out and uh, download, tell your friends, you know, run around the block, yell it to everybody, you know, check out Legends of Sport. <laughs> Real quick, when you came in, there was no social media or anything like that. Is it weird to see Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all these where you can promote? It's just these different platforms that provide yeah. different content. Is that weird to see or? No, it's, it's weird, but it's cool. I mean, when I first started, the only way anyone would ever know about me as a photographer was if I got something published and had my photo credit on, uh-huh. like printed on it, or I literally took my little portfolio from place to place to place or mailed it because there was no FedEx back in those right. days. So the fact that, you know, I can have Instagram with, you know, hundred and almost 130,000 followers and Legends of Sport has, you know, a lot of followers and, and is, is a multi-platform uh, content um, provider. And now that we're partnered with the LA Times and we can f- feed off of their social media and their content mm-hmm. platform, um, I think it's great. It's, it's not weird. I think it's just the nature of the way things are. And there's, there's so many of them that we've had to, I've had to, as a dinosaur, adapt and learn and, you know, but <laughs> I have a great social media manager um, who's around your guy's age, based in New Jersey. Um, I have a producer, a right-hand person who uh, really helps me in everything I do with Legends of Sport, uh, mm. Veronica, who's amazing, and she writes the blog every day. And uh, all kinds of people, you know, who help with editing and putting Instagram snips together and all that stuff. Um, my job is to get the guests and have good conversations. And then everybody takes the ball from there and we put out the product. So no, no lip sync TikTok for you? you know? No, I get my 12 year old <laughs> once in a while. I, I, she gets me on her TikTok, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that, and I had to, I had to learn about TikTok um, and the fact that I didn't think that anybody from my generation or young or you know, a little bit younger even cared about TikTok. But I, I've been learning that they have, they do, and they, it's necessary mm. to be on TikTok. So yeah, we've I just kinda, learned the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so we're Month ramping ago. up, we're ramping up that presence as well. And then you have to be creative. You have to make it cool looking. You have to have it short and sweet, you know, quick hitters kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest mm-hmm. part, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you guys have a set date where you release uh, your podcast episode? Is it Mondays, every Monday, every Tuesday? What is it? Yeah, we come out every Tuesday. And uh, again, it comes, you know, be there first thing in the morning. It's released, I think, right after midnight. And um, the LA Times has a great app. Um, you know, you get it on the app store. It's free. And they have a media tab on their app, and the media tab is uh, is video on one side, podcasts on the other. Mm-hmm. So we're in the menu of all of their podcasts, which is super cool and very, uh, very, very gratifying. After building this from literally from the bottom and from nothing, um, to be you know affiliated and partnered with a major news organization, it's it's really amazing. Well, I, I for one, I'm looking forward to seeing who you guys can bring on. Uh, it should be interesting. This entire bubble experience should be interesting. So yeah. I, I think any content we get from this is just worth watching and, and, and soaking in. You know, we saw the last dance and um, mm-hmm. so much footage that was hard to come by. And it feels like now we, in the first, what, three or four days, we've already seen exclusive footage from guys like JaVale McGee or Matisse Tybull yeah. of the Sixers where they're putting out 10-minute YouTube videos of what it's <laughs> like behind the scenes in their hotel rooms. And it's just – it's crazy to see that develop. Yeah. Where, 
It, it is. And it's good for the guys that they have that outlet, you know, and they can u- utilize the platform. Um, not only that uh, they have, but also the NBA is provided. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, opportunity for them to get their word out. You know, the whole social justice um, part of this is really important. And the fact that the NBA is providing that is making that available through all of their pot, all of their platform um, entities and the guys can put stuff out on theirs and, and there's interest on both sides, which is wonderful. And uh, you know, I'm happy to be contributing to that. We're going to, we're going to engage in the, in the story as well down the road. So working on a couple of podcasts that are um, devoted to social justice and what the players are doing, but the coaches, Good. the coaches association is very, very involved in that. And uh, we're just trying to kind of get the right people together and the right elements. And I'm trying to learn as much as I can before um, kind of venturing into that. Do you, do you still feel like there's always a lot to learn when it comes to anything of that social justice wise or stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. Every day, uh, every day. Um, I am just like, you know, taking in as much information as I possibly can, um, mm-hmm. talking to as many people as I can, listening to all the different viewpoints. Um, and it's fascinating to me um, and important. It's really important. I mean, I have kids. I, you know, they're going to have kids. We need to change the narrative. Things have to change. And uh, if I and my little podcast can help in some way, um, you know, that's really what my mission is. It's part of the mission of Legends of Sport. And uh, we're going to, you know, embrace that. Do you, do you like that the sports has become so, you know, entrenched in social justice issues nowadays? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It has to be. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Um, you know, sports is so uh, deeply rooted in our society, in our families. Um, um, I think that we, to ignore the fact that sports is, is, a, is a huge outlet um, and we've missed sports, you know, all of us have missed live sports for four months. Look and look yeah. at the void that it left. So the fact that sports can provide uh, a vehicle for change, um, is incredible. It's wonderful. You have anything else to add before we, uh, wrap it up? No, but uh, I'm happy to check back in with you guys when I'm deep in the bubble, if you want. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love Great. to give yeah. you guys an update. Um, thank you for having me on. Let me talk about legends of sport and, uh, all the things we're, that we're doing and trying to do and will do. And, um, you know, keep doing what you guys do because you guys are terrific. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Andy. it was really an honor to have you on. I've seen you at every Clipper home game, whatever like game I'm covering. I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of, you know, legendary work right there. I, I'm speaking, I'm speaking truthfully, honestly. So I'm, I'm only like four or five years into this. So yeah. Thank you. Um, very yeah, much. It's, it's great to have you on. Yeah, well, well, let's, you know, let's hope, knock on wood, that everybody stays safe, stays healthy, they get into the playoffs, we have a great run in the playoffs, and then uh, maybe, maybe we're all talking, you know, in late October, what an unbelievable experience this was, so right. that's, yeah. the op- that's the optimist in me, and uh, I'm not going anywhere else except optimism. So, <laughs> have you thought about what it's going to be like to shoot a championship parade? In well, this- that, that's a great question. I, I can't imagine them having a parade. They might do something like a giant Zoom parade, you know, 
<laughs> Zoom for it. Whatever team happens uh, to win true. it, but they um, can't. I, well, look, who knows what's going to happen between now and October? You know, yeah, it's true. so long with with the virus and everything. I tell you um, one thing: it's not going to stop Lakers fans from from celebrating. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and and they should. You know, if they win it or whatever team wins it. Um, you know, this people are talking about it being an asterisk season. I don't think it's an asterisk season at all. I think it's the most special season, unique season we've ever had. <laughs> so it could be an asterisk in a good way, but not in, in a negative way. Yeah, we were talking to Doc Rivers on the Zoom call the other day, and he was like, I think it deserves a gold star, not yeah, an asterisk, yeah. because of what everyone's going to have to go through in terms of the, the yeah. testing, the, the yeah. quarantine for three months, if you yeah. end up winning it. It's just... Yeah. Gonna be crazy. It's gonna yeah, be listen crazy. to my podcast this week with Gary Beatty because he talks about the sacrifice that all of us have to go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, the players, you know, if you go to the finals, you are in Orlando for over three and a half months. <laughs> you know, you've left your family. They all have families. They all have young kids. Um, they're quarantined, ba- not quarantined, but they're basically sequestered in this in this one place. Can you, know, you guys this- can you guys see this little woman? behind here yeah Hi. screen steal <laughs> Mom. oh my gosh is she making lunch because i'm hungry man yeah, let's go I think so <laughs> <laughs> love it that's great but this is the beauty of where we're at you know that we all could be in our own place in our homes yeah. or whatever and I had my intern the other day. He was behind me, like filing slides as I was talking to somebody on Zoom. You know, it's great. <laughs> I had my dog barking at the door the other day. I think Ryan's right. dogs were barking when we were. Yes, the, the dogs were scratching me because they wanted to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, th- thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you, fellas. Um, as usual, uh, you can follow us. Uh, follow Ryan at Ryan Ward LA on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Yeah, I don't think I missed anything. Are you on Pinterest or anything like that? (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) Um, You can follow me at uh, Tomer Zarly. That's T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter, Instagram. Um, Getting into the TikTok game, I'm still slow on that. And then on Facebook as well. Um, As always, follow wherever you get your uh, your podcast, the Battle for LA podcast on Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, iHeart. We're all there. Um, And then, you know, follow Legends of Sport podcast. Uh, and is it the uh, what was the name of the um, new series? Uh, it's called Restarting the Clock. Restarting so, the Clock. Yeah, so we're we're gonna have uh, episode two comes out tomorrow, actually this week, and um, yeah, sixteen weeks. So it's gonna be Oof. it's a challenge for me, but it's super fun, and we're having a lot of fun putting it together. And it should be great. You can find that on the LA Times app and wherever else you get your uh, your yep. podcast as well. That's right. Um, yeah, that that's it for us, guys. We hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys enjoy this, please leave a five star review for us and wherever you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get a fun guest for you guys next time. Andy, thanks again. We really appreciate it, fellas. Thank take you. care. Stay well. Okay. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank you so much.